Hey, this is Emacs Cast episode one, and I'm your host, Rakim. This is the pilot episode. This podcast is obviously about Emacs, the famous text editor. But I am not an Emacs professional. I'm not a power user, and I don't have my 25 years config with me. I'm not going to share lots of wisdom. But what I do possess is what they call beginner's mind. It's an attitude of openness, lack of preconceptions when studying something. And uh, it's an important thing in both Eastern philosophy, like Buddhism, and in modern learning environments, when this kind of openness and an attitude of a beginner helps you learn new things, even when you are already uh, not a beginner and you are already learning something deep uh, or difficult. I just started learning Emacs, and I just thought maybe I could somehow document my exploration in a form of podcast. Why podcast? Well, there are lots of excellent resources about Emacs, blog posts, books, uh, screencasts, YouTube videos, but I only found two podcasts about Emacs, and they are both kind of retired. They, they both are not live anymore. I have to admit, if I imagine a stereotypical Emacs user, I don't expect them to be a huge podcast fan. But at the same time, I understand this is kind of stupid stereotype. Emacs users are not necessarily hardcore bearded people. All kinds of people use Emacs, and, and many people, I am sure, do like and listen to podcasts. So my idea here is that I learn a bit of Emacs every day. I, I try to explore this interesting topic and I can share whatever I learn in this podcast. So who is this podcast for? Two groups of people, even though this is coming from a beginner, the obvious group is beginners alike. Other people who are just starting to learn Emacs or maybe thinking about starting to learn, uh, but are not convinced or something like that. If you follow me, then you will be able to at least repeat my steps and, and kind of be on the same page. When it comes to starting from scratch, this is something I found useful when following other people's resources like uh, blog posts or screencasts where they actually start from scratch and they are kind of putting themselves back into the shoes of a complete beginner. And of course, if you have any questions, ask them. I will try to answer. As I said, I'm a beginner, so I might not be able to. Maybe in the, in the discussions, wherever this ends up at, we'll be able to have some discussion with other listeners. At the same time, I think professionals, uh, or like you say, power users of Emacs will be able to get something useful out of this. And I'm not saying this because I expect myself to teach anyone professional, but because simply because... Emacs is kind of, I'm just saying from, from what I see from comments, I don't have any Emacs users among my friends, so I can only talk about what I see on the web. In public forums like Reddit or Hacker News or something like that, every time there is an article about Emacs targeted for beginners, something like how to start using Emacs or my, my first week in Emacs, something like that. If it gets popular enough, there are lots of comments, lots of discussions. Almost every time in discussions like this, this actually is true for Vim as well, not only Emacs. So for, for both, of, uh, both editors, every time there's an article for a beginner, I can see at least one comment that says, I'm an Emacs user for 
years, like 20 years or something, something crazy like that. And I still found something useful in this article, even though it was an article for beginners. This is kind of interesting. This is not something that you see in lots of other software or even just things, products in general. There is so much depth and so much um, exploring to do. There, there are so many hidden things in Emacs and, yes, Vim as well. This is something that probably affects the way people feel about Emacs. This is something that makes them feel feel so interested, so involved, so engaged with it. It's so deep and so unexplored still after many, many years. So hopefully, even though I'll be sharing newbie stuff here, professional users might be able to still find something just because they didn't uh, didn't find it before. And hopefully professional users will be able to help us newbies in the comments and in discussions if this podcast gets any kind of comments at all. In this pilot episode, I would like to talk about, I would like to confess, kind of, and talk about my problem with tools and uh, the right mindset that helped me to start exploring Emacs. And in the next episode, I will talk about my initial setup and I will talk about why I even bother learning this new editor, new for me, not new at all. It's actually much older than me. I am 30 years old and the editor is a bit more. If those two episodes will get any kind of uh, positive feedback, if some people are listening to it, basically, then I will continue with the next episodes and I will explore First, basic topics of uh, that are built in in Emacs, and then branch out and, and talk about uh, extensions. And of course, I will base the following topics on your opinions and your ideas. All the show notes, all the links, everything I talk about will be linked to this episode. So in the show notes, you, you will be able to see everything. It will be on GitHub, of course, as an org file. I want to make, I want to confess, I have a problem with tools. Not that kind of problem, not that I don't have the right tools. I do have that problem too, but it's okay, it's solvable. It's, I mean, everybody has that to some extent. I have another problem. I am, which is hard to admit to myself, but I am tool obsessed. And I sometimes get obsessed so much, it actually hurts my productivity. It hurts my work. You might be able, if you are in any sort of IT programming-related field, you might be able to relate to this because I know for a fact there are lots of people in this sort of condition. (laughs) Just because, you know, if you go to Twitter or some forum, you see people joking about it in a kind of self-deprecating manner. The idea is, the basic thing is, Instead of working, I do something to facilitate my future perfect working. You know, instead of writing code right now and and doing something that I want to do, the solving problems that I have, I'm fiddling with my editor or I'm trying new software or I'm exploring something and then breaking something and then trying to fix it, etc. This is especially relevant to editors because, well, we... I'm a developer, by the way. I, I, I code and I, I'm also a teacher and I write a lot of text in both code, less code nowadays, and lots of just text in actually different languages. So I work with text a lot and I feel really, I feel strongly about text editors and I also feel strongly about performance. So I have a big problem with text editors that are not super fast. 
So something electron-based like Atom or even VS Code, they are not super fast. My computer is super fast. It should be extremely responsive. But those programs, they're built on, on top of multiple layers of abstraction. One of the layers is huge, which is uh, Chromium, basically a web browser that is running on another huge layer, which is an operating system. So you kind of have two operating systems, one of which is just slow and then on top of that you have the application and it's just it's not immediate and for many people it's not a problem vs code is a popular editor probably most popular if you count free and open source editors today so it seems like it's not a big deal for many people but for some reason i just can't stand it i i I cannot i feel the dirtiness when i type in vs code or atom so i want my tools to be certain way. I spent a lot of time fiddling with it, trying to set it up, rethinking the whole workflow, saying, okay, I have to I have to start from scratch. I have to make everything right this time. And then I spend hours or days thinking about this, obsessing about this, reading other people's thoughts and, and you know, buying books, reading blog posts, following other people's configs, etc. At some point, it starts to just get tiring. It, it, it starts to bring me down. And I'm starting to ask myself, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I have to work. I, I haven't done any work. Even though I repeated this process a lot, it's never been good. It's never been like I finish, I, I make this perfect workflow environment, and then I'm super productive, like 10 times more productive than before. The time I spent on fiddling with tools, I could have done a lot of work. So it's kind of counterproductive. It's like I make 5% increase in usability and and productivity and comfort, and I lose 2,000% in time just doing that stuff. So I kind of feel bad about that. I I feel shame, and it's this self-deprecating, self-shameful thing that brings me more down and then I say okay well just forget it just use whatever works man just stop it you're not doing something right this even though it's kind of a kick in the butt it should motivate me it does a bit but I still feel bad so I still like imagine this is not you okay imagine I try to imagine this is not me this is someone like my colleague or my friend and at first that friend convinces me to explore and try new stuff and fiddle with tools and that friend promises me that this will make sense this will make you more productive and more happy and then after it doesn't work the same friend says you know what this sucks you're not doing it right you have to go back and just use whatever you had make up your mind you are just making me angry and not happy I wouldn't like my friend to be that way, but I am kind of this way towards me. So I'm not, you know, kind or empathetic enough towards myself. And I'm not doing a good job of facilitating or, you know, dealing with this kind of need, which seems to be like an intrinsic need to fiddle with tools. This need to fiddle with tools to to kind of dig deep and, and try to set up something in a way, like change something in a way that feels right to you, is probably one of the reasons that I became a programmer. This is one of the things that made me interested in in coding, because this basically is fiddling. So by the end of this episode, I will tell you how I broke out of this. So why I'm not feeling like this anymore with 
Emacs when I'm exploring Emacs. I don't feel bad about it at all. To get there, I have to tell you a bit about my story. Now, I know this is not about Emacs. This this episode is, <laughs> it has zero Emacs or zero Elisp lines. But hopefully this is the right kind of uh, unrelated, but kind of related content. It, it all starts with my first kind of computer. My, my parents got me my first computer, and it wasn't really a computer. It was an unlicensed Chinese pirated Super Nintendo clone. It had a keyboard, and it came with one cartridge with a couple of games, again, unlicensed and pirated, and a QBasic interpreter, some simplified version of the basic programming language. Q stood for quick, I think. It was super, super stripped. There was nothing really, just basic, basic, basic stuff like conditionals and, and variables and printing and that's it. And loops, of course. And it came with a manual, which was a thick paper journal. I think it was automatically translated from either Chinese or English into Russian. It was an awful, awful translation. This is the end of the 90s. Even today, Google Translate is kind of bad sometimes. If you give it the whole book, it will be, eh, trust me, it's not good. In the 90s, it was even worse. So I feel like it was a, an automatic translation because it was just horrible. Maybe it was just a horrible translator. But still, I were able to kind of learn the basics of that QBasic language. And I started programming. I couldn't even save my stuff. If you turn it off, it just, there's no hard drive. It, there's just RAM. So I had to write my programs on paper. And I remember I wrote this artificial intelligence and I showed my parents that, hey, I, I wrote, you know, I just wrote an artificial intelligence on this computer. So, you know, check it out, talk to it. And of course, it was just a bunch of if statements that uh, process different inputs. It was fun. This, And I remember this so fondly because it was so pure. That, as I said, there was no hard drive. You couldn't save anything. You just start it and you type. There's just this editor. There's no tools involved. There's no layers. There's no craft. You couldn't do anything but program. And that environment, I never seen anything like that again in my life because, of course, then I, I had real computers with real operating systems and stuff. I'm not saying, you know, real programmers don't use hard drives. I'm saying that kind of environment was free in a way that it didn't involve anything else but the stuff that I actually enjoyed to do. Liberating, in a sense. Then, of course, I had a real computer, a PC, which came with laser disk drive, a CD-ROM. It was so amazing. It also came with a floppy disk that stored drivers for that laser drive. I just formatted that floppy disk. I wanted to use it, you know, to go to my high school and get a copy of Doom or something. And then my laser disk drive broke and I had to reinstall the drivers, but I didn't have any drivers and I didn't have internet. I was stuck with a computer without a laser disk drive. The guy who sold us that computer one day came to save us, to save me, and he just reinstalled the operating system and it turns out it just works. You don't have to install drivers separately. And he, he taught me how to reinstall Windows. It was Windows 95, I think. And then a few years later, I read about Linux and FreeBSD. And I got an image of some Linux distribution and some FreeBSD distribution. And 
I started just breaking my computer, you know, installing uh, new operating systems, trying to make them work. It was super difficult. I couldn't understand anything. Um, I had to read a lot of English, which was really foreign to me at the time. It was still fun. It was something that I really enjoyed. I didn't have any, you know, work to do on the computer. It was just this toy that I played with. I didn't need it for my school or homework or anything like that. So it was okay when for weeks my computer won't boot or won't have uh, a working screen or something like that, a working GUI. I had this mindset my whole childhood that I can play with computers and it's just fun. But then I started my university degree, which was computer science. And my, I, my computer started to be this important piece that actually is all about my education. But I still wanted to play with, with stuff, you know, to break stuff and, and install different software and operating systems and it was starting to you know kind of get into conflict it it i started to get angry more when something didn't work because now the stakes were higher and this new kind of self shameful behavior started to appear more so i still broke my computers and i felt you idiot you just you, you had to do this you you just goddamn and then I started discovering new text editors, which was another box of cookies. But at least you didn't have to break your whole computer. Like, you just install a new editor and play with it and, you know, say, I'm going to switch to Vim now. And then you don't switch and it's fine. You still have your old editor working. Mostly I settled with Sublime Text. I switched to macOS and Sublime was just perfect. Everything I needed is there. It's working. I was kind of worried when... The the guy who was making Sublime kind of got lost and didn't do any updates, and it's not open source, so I don't know what's going on. But version 2, which was old, is still working. It's still working even now, so it's not like it's going to expire. But then he came back and kind of got active again and released version 3, and now it's all fine. Now we have this bright future and kind of a Sublime renaissance. It's still a popular editor, and new developments are out there. So there's no really good reason for me right now to, you know, switch text editors. I still did this even after graduation and when I started working, of course, uh, it comes in waves and kind of every year, at least once a year, I'm having this idea of, you know, I have to switch to X, which is usually either Vim or then this new kid on the block, the VS Code, which I talked about where I try to, you know, negotiate with myself. Okay, it's it's not as fast as you want, but there are benefits and it's open source and there are interesting things that are more useful and more comfortable than in Sublime. So maybe, you know, maybe the, there's a trade-off. Every time I, I was doing this, I had this idea of, okay, I switched to, and there was this promise because the switch, it's not just because I want it, it's actually, you know, useful it's something that you want in the long run because it will make you more productive it will make your workflow and your environment better it will be just better so when it came to emacs which i just started exploring a few weeks ago of course not for the first time but for the first time properly i decided i will just ditch that idea i will not say hey i'm trying to switch to emacs i'm not switching to emacs which maybe I will, but it doesn't matter. I don't have this goal anymore. 
I don't have to make it just as my previous editor. I don't have to make it do all the things that I did. I don't have to do anything. I'm just exploring. It's a new and exciting thing for me. And as I said, it's so deep that it's just a thing to fiddle with. It's just like a hobby. I could as well start learning about birds or mushrooms or whatever people do with their free time. And this is something that I do with some of my free time. I fiddle with Emacs and I try to set it up in a nice way and explore ELISP and packages and features and all that stuff. So no expectations, no disruptions to my workflow. I don't use it to actually do work. I still use Sublime and Emacs just sits there. And when I have time, I try to have fun with it. And it worked. I wouldn't make this podcast if I wasn't having fun with it, if I wasn't enjoying it. So this is my new hobby. And you say, well, it's a tool. It's something that will make you more productive. It's a tool. It's an editor of a lifetime. And yes, maybe. Maybe it will be that way. Maybe I will switch to Emacs and maybe I will record podcasts in Emacs. Or, you know, if it's not there, I will have to write an extension for podcast recording for Emacs. Maybe. I don't know. The thing is, I don't have any expectations. I don't have any stress, this kind of stress over myself. So this way, it's all good. So hopefully this is something that was helpful to anyone in this position. If you try to switch to Emacs or, you know, just try the Emacs and thought, this is not working, I, I cannot do any work here, then maybe try this approach. Don't try to make, don't try to do any work there. Just keep using whatever you're using and explore Emacs. Be gentle, be nice, tread lightly, and you will probably see something in it. You will see something cool, something interesting, and potentially something useful for your work. Thank you so much for listening. I know this wasn't much about Emacs. Episode 2 will be about my setup. See ya. Bye.